episode of the SDSU podcast is sponsored by Mars Energy Cream, the first ever topical energy delivery product. Think energy drink, but it's a lotion. It contains a proprietary blend of natural ingredients, including caffeine, taurine, and B vitamins to provide an energizing boost. And unlike traditional energy drinks and gels, Mars Energy Cream is sugar-free, contains no artificial flavors, colors, or preservatives. If you want to try it out, go to MarsEnergyDrinkCream.com and use the code ANDRE, spelled A-N-D-R-E, at checkout to receive 15% off a purchase of a 50-milliliter tube. to the SDSU podcast presented by the East Village Times with your hosts Andre Hagverdian and Paul Garrison. Welcome listeners back to another episode of the SDSU podcast. I'm your host Andre Hagverdian and we'll be joined shortly by my co-host Paul Garrison. Today's episode includes an interview with J.D. Pollock. J.D. was the SDSU basketball director of player development for the last six years. He basically was hired. One of uh, Coach Dutcher's first hires as head coach was hiring JD away from Cal State Bakersfield uh, for his director of player development position. JD, at the end of August of this year, decided to resign from his position and leave the coaching profession and move uh, into a different world, a different industry in the business world. And as he and his wife and his children moved back to Fort Worth, Texas, where uh, they had some family and roots already uh, established. Before the SDSU football podcast turned into the SDSU podcast, Austin, Tark, and Paul had begun the SDSU basketball podcast last year in 2022. The final episode that they recorded, episode eight in July of 2022, included an interview with J.D. Pollock. Uh, I definitely encourage you guys, if you did not listen to that, to go back and listen to it after this episode, because that uh, that interview goes into a lot more of JD's background um, and how he ended up at San Diego State and things of that nature. You can search for it in any of the uh, you know popular audio platforms, the SDSU Basketball Podcast, Episode 8. Uh, in this episode, obviously, we didn't rehash a lot of that or any of that, and we kind of went more into... You know, what JD's thoughts are on uh, this year's team, you know, now that he's stepped away from it, he's no longer part of the team, but he still got, you know, he was part of the recruiting of some of the guys that are now on the program. Uh, he obviously was there for last season's run to the national championship. So the, his perspective on a lot of these players, I think was very uh, enlightening. Uh, we also plan to have JD back on the podcast later in this basketball season to talk about how the season is going and things that, you know, from his perspective, he has seen what he has liked, what he has not liked, things of that sort. So we definitely appreciate him wanting to do that, you know, coming back and, and having that discussion on the podcast later in the season. So definitely stay tuned for that. Let's get into this interview with JD. We sat down with him a couple of days after Banner Night, and he and his wife did make it back for Banner Night and his perspective on that you know, unveiling was really cool. If you are listening to this episode on an audio platform, just wanted to let you know that we have the full video version of our interview with JD on our YouTube channel. 
So the SDSU podcast YouTube channel puts out every episode. Uh, for this one, we do we did put out the video of the interview so you can see our faces as we're talking. So if you prefer that, uh, make sure to go to YouTube. If you're already on YouTube listening right now, uh, the video version will pop up as soon as we get to that interview. Appreciate you guys for tuning in and uh, let's get to the interview with JD. We want to welcome JD Pollock to the SDSU podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm excited to talk with you guys. You moved back to to Texas a few months ago. You uh, resigned from your uh, your position at San Diego State. So how has that moved and that transition gone for you? And uh, are you fully settled in now? We're pretty settled in. Uh, the boxes are gone and we're into our new home. Um, the new career is off and running. It's uh, It's been a big change, to say the least. A whole new way of doing life, honestly. It's, it's something I think that we always thought is a possibility. I think... The plan was never um, to to raise our babies and and you know build our family away from family the whole time. But San Diego and uh, you know Hermosa Beach and Manhattan Beach for Irene, those places just ended up being places that we could kind of dream chase for a while and accomplish some goals that we set out to do when we were younger, uh, long before parenthood and uh, even before marriage. Honestly, it's just something mm-hmm. she and I when we met. We used to always text each other when the emojis were brand new, the uh, the rocket ship back and forth to each other. And it was literally just, it just meant like, go, like, go get it. Mm-hmm. And so kind of full circle. I mean, she, as an example, she went to Switzerland when we had only been together for seven months and we, she was over there for nine months and, wow. and it's all about, you know, chase your dreams, go get it, go get it. And so we just kind of feel like uh, that this transition was kind of the closure um, to those early dreams, we're still trying to accomplish all types of stuff. That's just how we're wired. But the initial ones, uh, we kind of ran that race, and it's uh, it feels good to say that. It's just kind of kind of odd at the same time. <laughs> so my when I heard about the move, my biggest concern, and maybe some others that know you, was whether the the shoe collection was going to make it to Dallas safe and sound. You know, we saw some po- po- pictures on Twitter, and we obviously see you see where you're sitting in your background that it did you know what can you tell us about that journey uh and that setup that you got going on behind you the the setup starts with with irene she, uh, i think like a lot of sneakerheads and probably a lot of coaches their shoe boxes uh take up the most space mm-hmm. so the goal I've, i still have them hidden away somewhere i don't want to toss them all but the goal was to get them out of the boxes and see them, which is really cool because it's kind of like an interactive poster. Uh, it's kind yeah. of like an interactive piece of art, kind of. And so if they're on the wall, I don't wear them all that often. It would have to be kind of a cool occasion for me to come up here. This is the in in Texas. It's two stories, unlike all the California homes. So this is the second floor. I got to come upstairs to get a pair. My daily ones are downstairs, but every, each one of them is just kind of something that that means something to me. I don't really have them just to have them. I mean, obviously I could be fine without them, but it usually, most of them mean like, I remember a specific event in them. I remember if it's a retro, I remember when I got them when I was a kid. And so it just kind of makes those big moments special. Like I, I remember opening them up for birthdays or Christmases. And so to have them as an adult and, uh, and be able to wear them in sweet 16s and elite eights and final fours was just really cool. Cause I, I felt like I was remembering 
while I fell in love with the game. And, and it's kind of always been like that. So um, here they are. There's, there's a few more, <laughs> but um, I have fun with it. I don't buy a pair unless I sell a pair. Um, and every pair up here, uh, I've kind of really, really enjoy. So not a whole lot of activity right now, but that's kind of cool. So I like where it's at. That's great. Yeah. Do some sort of like storytelling, man. I think, uh, you know, there's a lot of people who, you know, you know what I mean? Of this, like the specific ones, like, okay, so this shoe right here, this is what happened. Oh this yeah. And stuff. Cool. Um, but you, you were back in VS arena a couple nights ago, uh, to get your ring, see the banners raised. Um, just, I mean, what were your thoughts about being there in person? Um, and oh man. Yeah. And just, that's it, man. What was that like for you? It was first it first of all it was unbelievable it was it was so stinking cool to be back in there it was absolutely electric obviously to be expected with that kind of event and ceremony and pageantry before uh tip off it was so cool seeing the staff again it was amazing seeing the guys again because i think i think any coach whether you're fired whether you take a new job or in my rare instance choose to get out or maybe it's just me, but I think it's most coaches. I think you always feel a little bit of guilt for that specific team that you won't be there for them. Mm. Even if you leave right after you lose the last game of the year, you've still been recruiting or they're still underclassmen that are going to grow up and, and you're not there for that year. So that it happens no matter when you change jobs. I mean, even my, my earlier ones from uh, junior college to Cal state Bakersfield, I had, I had gone into their homes and told them, you know, I I've got you. And I wasn't lying, but it things things happen, you know, and I and I get a phone call, and and it can better me and my wife's life, and get us two hours apart instead of seven hours apart at the time. And so, you know, there were players I had made promises to that I'm I'm going to see you through to get a Division One scholarship out of junior college, and I didn't get to finish that. And it's it's just kind of part of it. And um and this group was no different, you know, like Elijah Saunders and Miles Bird are young guys that I, I fully thought, you know, I get to I get to help these guys mold them and. We've talked even since I've left, and uh, but to see him was so cool. Um, I mean, obviously Lamont's big, you know, smile lights up a room. Darion didn't play, but he came up grinning and hugged me. And Ladi and I kind of have a funny relationship because of the TCU connection. Is um, you know now I'm where he came from, and and I knew him a little bit before he came, and all this and that. And so he came up all sweaty out. He hadn't even played yet. It's in warmups and he's all drenched and hugged me and all that. So it's just amazing to see them all really, really happy. We did it. I, we didn't know we were going to go back until about a week or so ago. Okay. Um, just kind of my own mental thoughts is, I mean, as, as you and I have discussed, Paul, you know, I've just kind of needed to figure out how this is all going to go uh, for me personally. And uh, about two weeks ago, I told uh, Irene and my mom and dad and brother and everybody, I was like, I just think I have to go. Like, I just think I not need to go. I think I have to be there. And, and now that we went and came back, I can't even imagine not being there. Like it was, it was so perfect. It was uh, not even closure in a way. It was just cool to experience it. And I think the weirdest thing that happened was, was walking to the seats, which is where Irene had always sat. It was right over there in the family section with all the other coaching wives and everything. So we walked straight over there. I've obviously never sat there before. I've gone up and given a hug and a kiss, but so I start, we go there, they're finishing warmups and I'm like, this is crazy sitting right here. <laughs> and then uh, when the ceremony stuff started, I kind of, I don't think I'm that strange of a guy. Like I'm not that mental, but 
it was a really weird feeling because the I've seen banners revealed in there before. I've seen all that from a certain angle. And I just told her, I looked at her and I said, I'm not watching this banner revealed from the crowd. And I got up and I walked down to the court and I stood on the court by myself, not over by the team, just down in the corner. And I, I had to be on the floor just when the banner came up, uh, open, you know, or mm-hmm. all three of them. And uh, honestly, I started tearing up. I don't, I also don't think I'm that emotional of a person, but it was just, it was zero sadness. It was so much thankfulness. I was so thankful to have done it all, to have been a part of such an incredible program, especially being where I'm from, like we've discussed in previous years, like who, who from Atlanta, Georgia is ever going to coach at San Diego state. And I mean like forever on, like why would anybody from Atlanta coach at San Diego state? And so my path is just made next to no sense. And so to have been a part of it, I, I don't know what else to say other than thankful. I was just oozing with like, I could not believe that this was, was my team. These were my experiences. And, and obviously I mean our, but, but my path. And, and so I just, as soon as it was done, I was fine. I went back to the seat and then I enjoyed it. And I was like, well, it's still strange, but I'm okay. And it was a really cool thing. Uh, we watched most of the second half from down uh, in the concessions in the lower level, just because I think I am more comfortable down there. We could kind of mess with the ushers that have always been so kind to us, mess with Sergio a little bit, mess with, uh, you know, even the guys on the bike when they're trying to stay loose in between timeouts. I talked with Coach Fish. Uh, we even sat in Jimmy Morrison's two seats right next to Sori on the bench for a media stretch. And I showed Irene my view of the bench. So we kind of played around the second half, awesome. but uh, but it was strange, man. Uh, really glad we were there. It was awesome seeing Dutch and the guys, though. Really cool. Let's see if I can frame this the right way. Um, in the locker room after the national championship game, as a as an alumni, as somebody who you know was in Vegas on the floor, jumping around as a student in the first <laughs> um, the first Fisher Dutcher, um, you know, Mountain West Championship, um, that sort of thing, um, you know. I wanted like Dutch to kind of reflect and to kind of be like, this is cool, right? Like, this is amazing that you all have have done what you guys have been talking about. And the ultra competitor that he was, he's all he wanted to talk about was winning it next year. He goes, okay, now that we're yeah. here, I want to, I want to go and I want to win the next one. Um, you know, Micah and Jaden after um, Monday's game, they, they were asked about, you know, putting that season behind them. And they both said like, yeah, I was done with it a week to go. Like I wanted to move on from all these questions that I was getting on it. Cause I, cause we have this journey in front of us and, and in like a, a, a unique way because of the timing of the way everything did. Um, do you have the opportunity to kind of maybe sit and enjoy a once in a lifetime, potentially, you know, experience of going to a final four with that group? I mean, you talk about, I, it, you know, San Diego State, I mean, my goodness, I, you're from Georgia, so maybe you don't know this, but like there were times where in the local community, people would talk about like good JC teams, maybe being able to compete with state, like before, <laughs> and, and then they're, and they're like serious, you know, and stuff like that. Yeah. And you're like, I don't know, you know, whatever. And, and so that you all did this and, and does the timing of this allow you again, just to be able to kind of reflect in a special way? I, I think it does. I mean, I think it's a little bit unique that I'm I'm not geared up for a season right now. So I think I can reflect all the time, you know, yeah. like, I mean, I'm reflecting on my whole path and in and, and 14, I was going into year 15. And so I've, it's all 14 years 
is, is one big blur. I feel like I just got in it yet. I feel like I've spent a lifetime in it. And so, um, but yeah, specifically on the year, I'm fortunate to not be locked in on BYU in 48 hours. So yeah, all I do is spend time thinking about it. And I look at all the, the stuff I even texted, uh, our photographer, Derek Truskin, uh, just last night. And I said, like, I don't know what to say other than thank you because you've captured like my personal lifelong dream. I have, I have endless amounts of, of pictures to look through, to, to feel it again and again and again. I can constantly revisit those moments literally because of you now. I mean, he's amazing at what he does, but that was his job and, and his responsibility and he killed it. And so, um, to, to reflect back on the locker room, like as soon as you say locker room, like 15 things pop in my head because um, I remember him saying that. I remember him saying like, we can, you, you know, we can get it now, right? Like you, this isn't some unreachable talking point anymore. And it, to us, it wasn't every single recruit we signed in, in my six years, seven years would have been this year. And I know long before me, we told him like, do you think if you come, you can help us get to a final four? Like that was, it wasn't, it wasn't out of the blue. It was building for years and years. Maybe we could have done it with Malachi's year. Maybe we could have done it with Matt Mitchell and Jordan Shackle if we get hot versus Syracuse. Cause that was the a 40% three point shooting team and we didn't shoot well that game. So, okay, right. it happens, you know, but you go back and look at the tape. They're, they're wide open shots. Like we were prepared. It just wasn't the night. And so, um, you know, it had been building. And I think uh, like Virginia against UMBC, um, our heartbreak was Creighton, you know, up nine with two and a half to go. It's it is still the worst loss I've ever been a part of. I am not the fiery coach that throws a chair in the locker room after I keep to myself and I, I debate it all in my head. And what could we have done to help? And that one still hurts. Look at the fire it lit. Like, are you kidding me? I mean, Nate coming back, Keyshad coming back, AG coming back, all of these vets. If anything, they they did need that players only meeting that that AG called and that Nate helped with during the season because it was like, hey, it's freaking time. You know, we 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 haven't messed around up until this point, but there is an entirely different level to go to, which is why we're all here. And from that moment on, kind of like UConn after they lost six of eight from some injuries or whatever early in their season, both of us just took off to the end of the year. I mean, I'm kind of all over the place from your question, but it's from the locker room specifically, it was emotional only because that group was done, not because you didn't win the national championship. You know, I do think to an extent – there, there was some satisfaction. Like none of us are mad that we like, I mean, none of us are only mad. We didn't win the national championship. Of course we wanted to win the title. Like you don't yeah. go that far to be like, who cares? We're good. But I think we even knew in that moment, we did something unbelievably special, even that quick. Yet it was still really, really sad. And you can't tell on the emotions of the face until you ask them, they were really upset that it was over with each other, not just that they lost to UConn. It's that it's that Nate's done. I'm I'm crying for Nate. I'm not crying because we lost to UConn. I'm crying because Nate's not putting 31 on again. I'm I'm messed up because Matty B's college is done. He's a grown man now. He's going overseas, trying to make the league, whatever it is. 
AG's not going to play again. He's already told everybody. So we didn't know he's going to be taking my spot then. But <laughs> but we knew he's he's done playing. That's an emotional time. It's just like everybody went through in high school. You know, it's hard on those seniors when you finish your high school career if you're not going to college. So it's it wasn't about losing to UConn. It was it was about that group's final moments. And it was just like, please go in slow mo right now. You know, it's funny. It's funny because um, I asked AG about coaching after after the game, and he's like, "Nope, I'm getting away." I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to go coaching. And here he is. Yeah. Well, we even even when I thought I was coming back, I was in his ear because I knew these rule changes were coming. And I was like, you know, like, right. first of all, Dutch loves you. Like, you know that part. But second, like, if you're interested, like, let's start planting that seed with him. And he wasn't really biting it. He was like, I think I'm good. Like, kind of like I am now. He's like, I'm, I'm good with basketball. I'm going to go back home. I've got like, he's going to have basketball in his life, but not his career, not his job still. And he was like, you know, I got some connections at home and a, there's a nonprofit. I can help some youth and be involved with a gym and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, that sounds good. Like as long as you're happy, but that was even to be like my right-hand man or along with RGA Ali. And he was like, I'm oh, maybe I'm okay. And then, you know, the way that all played out was so funny because he didn't call Dutch or anything when he found out I was leaving. He wasn't like all these coaches always have 15 people call for him and everything like Dutch called him and was like, will you do this? And he was like, yeah, <laughs> and so, like, that's the easiest job I've ever heard of. Yeah, it's like a dream job. I mean, but he didn't even call and tell him, like, can I get it? So it's all hilarious. But obviously, he's more than a deserving. He's an Aztec legend. And, right. you know, he's already got the, the team around his finger, just like he did when he was in Jersey. He's kind of like Udonis Haslam, you know, like he was a coach yeah. out there. And so um, it was good seeing him the other day. AG and I are really close. You know, the story got out at the banquet and everything of how much I had to do with him personally coming um, with with recruitment and stuff. He was kind of like one of my early, like full blown press. Like, I want this guy. <laughs> and, I, and I was a couple of years into the program, so I didn't put my foot down a whole lot with all these guys that have built it up. And I was just like, he can help. He can help. He can help. He can help. And so. Anyway, it's cool that he's got it because he and I are so close. It's just one of those other things that throw it in the puzzle just doesn't make sense. But all of a sudden, you know, Aguaco Rope's my guy. Yeah. You know, we, we had Elijah Saunders on the podcast about a month ago. And we asked him, you know, is it going to be weird to have AG as like your coach? And he was like, no, he kind of was already playing that role as a mentor and like developing me last year. So he didn't necessarily see it as that much of a difference. Why do you think AG is going to be is going to be able to flourish in that role? Yeah, it's it's a great question because I I know I couldn't have done that that easily going from senior year to my first year in a job even though I was the captain of the team too. You know, like I was a leader. I I think it's a little bit more of a lighthearted personality and that he wasn't afraid to to he didn't rip anybody, but he wasn't afraid to tell somebody right to him like if you don't go hard, sit out, do not go again. You know, whereas I might speak to the group, I might say like, Hey, everybody, well, this isn't enough, whatever it is. And so maybe it was a maturity thing from where the, you know, who he is at, at 22, 23 and, and, where, and where I was, maybe it's as simple as that. But mo I mean, obviously most of the credit just goes to, to him and, and the credibility he earned. I think some of his, uh, his path and career and injuries, you know, scarred him up and, and uh, took some time for him to to handle and, and accept. And, you know, I'll never forget when he told me 
um, that he was going to come back and play is you could see this weight off of him as he said, like, I'm okay saying I'm not going to play professional basketball now. And as soon as he said that, it was like this load was off of him of like, I'm not who I thought I was supposed to be. I'm not the professional player I thought I was going to be. And he just wanted to fall back in love with basketball and hoop again. And so then it's like, and then it's like everybody else, like, well, if I get hurt, it's going to suck, but it doesn't affect the rest of my life. You know, like, I just don't want to get hurt as opposed to if I get hurt again, like, I don't know if I can handle it because it's affecting my pro career. It's affecting how good I'm getting and all this stuff. And so when he accepted who he is today, um, I know his faith had a lot to do with that and, and all that. I think all the guys, Elijah to all of them, older than him, younger than him, they all saw just literally who he is. And I mean, anything he says goes when he was a player and and I know it'll be the same as a coach. So I know he's loving it. He said he's doing really well. So you were at the game, obviously on Monday, the first game of the season, you know, general impressions, you know, what did you think of the team? And was there anything you saw that the team was doing different schematically that might be something we see all season? Yep, there was. I mean, obviously, I've, I've talked with the staff before the game, but I, I'm at the same time trying not to blow them up and I'm distancing myself a little bit because, mm-hmm. I mean, I just it's just how I am. But um, they are. There's been some stuff over the years that's been hard to guard that I, I know we always take notes on. And then when it comes up in a scout again, going back to, to Kata and some of those post-up plays and then even going to UConn and some of those post-up plays, there's just certain things that, that I mean, everybody steals uh, sets and ideas and I mean, every single one of our baseline out of bounds plays is named after the program we got it from. <laughs> so we've got TCU. We've got we had a play called Ram that I think they did with Roddy. We had a Lobo. Like we have all types of stuff, and you just call it from. It's just good basketball. And so um, I know that they uh, they were running some new post up plays uh, specifically where uh, there's a guy in the middle of the floor. It makes it hard to help. It's not as traditional as like a Kansas high low, but. Um, you know, you got to find a way to get Jaden the ball pretty much all over the floor. And uh, I mean, we, we knew that last year. It just took him a minute to, to get his feet under him, um, sometimes literally, because he'd be wanting to go so fast, he'd kind of stumble and be in a little bit of a hurry. Um, and then now that he's so comfortable out there, he knows his value. He knows it's coming. He's not trying to do it right when he touches the ball. And so um, saw some stuff to get him the ball. Uh, saw some tweaks, maybe like a back screen into a pen down. Saw saw some curls, uh, not just what we call our traditional dribble, but into the the, the handoff, that zoom action um, to either side with the big on the handoff. But just some different entries into it that I really liked. Um, defensively, it's not going to change a lick um, schematically. Uh, it might have to as the year goes on, only because you adapt to what you're having success with. And we uh, were as spoiled as any team in the country to have Nate Mensah behind everything. So Lamont could do his gambling because he can go 5,000 miles an hour and sometimes still get back in front. And if he didn't get back in front, Nate was right there, you know. And Darion's good at steals as well, you know, led the whack in steals or whatever before he came. He jumps out sometimes. Nate was behind him. I don't think they'll be able to do that as much this year. Um, Jaden is, is a great defender, but he's not as vertical, obviously, as Nathan. Demarche has a chance. Miles Heidi has a chance. It's no knock on those guys that 
that they don't block shots like Nate Mensa. I mean, he, there's a reason why he's one of the best ever. Skylar Spencer, I think, still leads him in blocks by quite a bit because that shows how special he was. Yet Nathan is sure number two. And, I mean, you think about the five men we've had over the last decade. Like, I mean, it's it's out of this world. So it's an adjustment because the game's changing too. You know, Jaden's not a traditional five. And that will affect the defensive end. So they may have to they may have to ice some wings a little bit more. They may have to dictate where the ball goes a little bit more, as opposed to just being rock solid and knowing that we've got Nate back there to kind of mess with stuff. Not to mention Ag and Keyshawn just flying around with length everywhere. So um, they're built a little bit different. Um, I think I don't think it was a secret even last year that when the guys that are starting now, it was quote unquote the second unit, even though we all know that they weren't a second unit. But um, they score the ball better, you know, with yeah. with the other. Nobody could score on us, and that's why it was an amazing team. And you make the title game because you put these other guys in, and they can hit four threes in thirty seconds, and we're on a run like all the other explosive offensive teams in the country. So that might be a little bit more of a foundation of this team, but because of the emphasis on defense and all the things we do, they'll get better defensively. They'll just need to figure out how. Um, but obviously, it is hopeful that this team can put up more points on the board uh, when you sacrifice, you know, losing a five man like that on that end. Um, so we, uh, everybody's listening. Uh, we had a little bit of a delay getting started because um, JD was taking care of his family and doing that thing. I actually have a kid at a batting cage that I need to go pick up. Um, so Andre's gonna, Andre is going to gonna finish this one, but I want to get one more question in um, before I, I, I click off. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of really good performances, not just from um, Aztecs, but from other players in VS Arena. And uh, Jaden was dominant on Monday. Um, the ease at which yep. he drew so many fouls. I mean, it, he, it seemed like he could have gone for 40. I mean, it was just, it was, it was wild how um, dominant it was. And I, an article that, that I wrote about it basically said he looked like a professional playing college basketball. Yep. That he was, just, he was just at that level. Do you think he could sustain that excellence? Because the Aztecs could be pretty darn special if he can. Uh, I personally think Jaden's going to be the player of the year in the league. Um, there's that's no that's no cut at anybody in the league. Isaiah Stevens is like my, one of my favorite guards in the entire country. He's unbelievable. So much fun. Um, I think I've always thought, just like in the NBA, I've always thought the MVP should be on the the number one seed. So some of that goes into the fact that I think the Aztecs can win the league. And he has a chance to be the best player on the number one seed. I, I do think he can sustain it. I don't know about 27, but because, um, you know, now you're, now you're talking Zach Eady numbers. Um, but I, I do think he can average a double-double. I think that with his, with his role, with his confidence, with his comfortability and all that, he's not trying to figure anything out anymore. Um, if he can stay out of foul trouble, I think he can put those numbers up. I mean, honestly, the only surprise with Jaden is that it didn't happen earlier last year because what you're seeing right now is exactly what I thought was going to happen all last year. It didn't happen until about the last 10 games, but Jaden on Monday night is who I thought Jaden was going to be all last season. And so it does not surprise me, and I do think he can do that. So it's funny you said that about Jaden because I was at Viejas today for the uh, Coach Dutcher's press conference, and he was asked about Jaden, and he basically said, yeah, Jaden wanted to do this last year. I didn't let him uh, because we had so many other players that could do things. 
So, you know, this year they're using him a little bit differently or planning on using him more differently. You know, he made a couple threes in the exhibition against San Marcos. I don't think he made one on Monday. But, you know, what is that utilizing him differently now that, you know, he's a starter and he's playing center? Is that basically taking his? Is that what you guys saw last year? Yeah, I think so. I mean, in practice, Jaden had days, you know, going back to his redshirt year where he he could help the the set, the the scout team beat the the unit, you know? I mean, he had days like that. So this is this is only the difference in greatness and and good players is just how often you do it. It's not how, it's not just how high you can reach. So mm-hmm. anybody can have an unbelievable day and be that 230 all-American where it's just like what just happened because that's not what we're used to out of him with a scout team guy with a second unit guy even with a starter and it's just like what was that you know well the great ones just do that all the time that's all that the difference is it's not what you did that day and so Jaden is just doing it more and more and more frequently as opposed to showing us the glimpses that you always hear about some of it's definitely with with those guys gone you know like I mean Keyshad was not going to give that spot up easily last year now obviously he Jaden's going to get minutes but Keyshad had established himself in this program we went with the rock solid defensive unit with him and Nate and all that. Um, AG still needed to find his way on the floor. Um, so yeah, there was minutes to be had all over the place. Whereas now, you know, some of those guys are super young behind him with Demarche and with Miles and with Elijah getting his early shots at it now. You know, that was Elijah's Keyshad four years ago. You know, I mean, Keyshad had to wait a year or two. Go back and look at his numbers when he was young. So definitely opportunity. But but I still think it's it's a lot of Jaden having his, all of his work paying off right now. Like you are personally witnessing his hard work paying off. And I actually told his mom and dad this after the game on Monday. Um, Jaden is in a rare class uh, with with Malachi and Jordan Shackle and uh, Jalen McDaniels and those guys that are gone. I'm not naming his teammates only because they're they're still going. But the guys that I've seen come through. He's in that level of work ethic because, uh, I mean, like those guys, he's kind of got a problem. You know, he won't leave. Even if his body hurts, he won't leave. Yeah. If it's a day off for rest from the weight room or or practice, he's stinking running miles on the intramural field. And it's like, Jaden, like, you got to slow down. And so, you know, of course, one day it's a good thing. One day it's a bad thing because you do need both. That's like saying I'm going to build a business all through the night and never sleep. And it's like, well, obviously that's going to be counterproductive. So at some point he needs to find that happy median of actually resting. But clearly that's a gift of his, is his hard work. It's all paying off right now. I'm so excited for him this year because I I think he truly knows it. You know, I I got a line from uh, Coach Barnes and, and his best friend, Daniel Bugs up at Bakersfield when I coached there. And it was, first you hope you can do it. Then you think you can do it. Then you believe you can do it, and then you know you can do it to where it's like, oh, I think I could do this. Man, I hope I can do this. I believe I can do it. It's like, I know I can do this. And so when he's gotten to that level to where there's not a whole lot that can affect him right now. Like, what what could I say to Jaden to take his confidence right now? And I mean me, meaning anybody. How could you take Jaden Liddy's confidence right now? And I'm not sure. I don't I don't know what could right now because he's got that level of of belief and and work built into him to where he knows this is going to be a big year. So that's a that's a cool moment in a, in a young guy's career. The the other guy that tested NBA waters last year but came back with Lamont 
Uh, he looked like a floor general out there on Monday, seven assists, only two turnovers. Where do you think his game is headed this year? That's that's exactly what he's trying to do. You know, I mean, he's he's never going to be some 50-point scoring point guard to where give the ball to Lamont, get out of his way, and he's going to go get you 45 points. But that's not his personality either. He is he is a team guy. He is a floor general. Um, he's always talked about Chris Paul since the day I met him. And um, and he can become that, you know, he's got such physical gifts that all came on really quickly. Like he was not moving like that at a high school. He was a, a cerebral smart point guard that just had all the skills. And then all of a sudden his body just developed with one with hard work two with God and like timing is he just got super strong, insanely explosive to where he went from barely dunking to the stuff we see today. I mean, he is so he has as much pop as any guard in the country and end to end speed. He he is up there with the top in the country with just flat out foot speed. And so as soon as he's reining those in and knowing basically literally how to use them, how to get deep in the paint and make a good decision. Am I finishing? Am I kicking? Am I doing the, you know, the, the old Steve Nash and under the rim and just dribbling back out, you know, all those late decisions. Because he he genuinely got there, I think, faster than he knew he was going to for a year or two. And and now he is super comfortable and he knows exactly what he's going to do most of the time. And so his finishing's getting better. His jump shot is light years better. I mean, it's his buzzer beater was like Jordan's last shot. Like it was picture perfect. It didn't just go in. His balance was perfect. His release was perfect. That's a slow-mo version of the 10 million shots he's done in the jam. You know, it didn't go in on accident. He he is slowly perfecting his craft. And so um, he can shoot better. I'm not saying he can't shoot. I'm not even saying he's not a scorer. I'm just saying he doesn't go out and try and get 30 and just let everybody else do their thing. He wants to get them going. And, yeah. and he whatever he wants, he can get in the paint and make a play. So um, he's going to have a big year. He's he's still one of the best on-ball defenders in the country. He's he really can reach and recover before the guy even goes anywhere. I've never seen anything like it. So like Jaden, he's got to protect his fouls. You know, if Lamont's on the floor, the Aztecs are better. That's not, that's not rocket science. And so he can't get in foul trouble, um, but he's still got to be a menace up there. He's, he's going to be a, a great leader. Him and Darion defensively are just going to mess with absolutely everybody. So, you know, one of the things we talk a lot about fans obsessed about is who's going to start, right? Who's what's the starting lineup. And with Darion out right now, Elijah Saunders is starting at the four. But there was a lot of talk about potentially going with a four-guard lineup with Micah and Reese Waters at the three-four kind of, which is different than what Dutch has typically done. You know, I think Matt Mitchell played the four in 2020 after Nate went out. Uh, But that's not something that's been done a ton. How do you think that team, a smaller team, uh, more, more shooting, can help offensively, but then maybe not hurt defensively as much. Yeah, I mean, it, it'll it definitely help offensively. I mean, and, and that's – I always, you know, because I love all these guys, that's no cut at Elijah because he's shooting the ball well. His confidence is sky high. He and I are super close. He's going to have a, he's gonna have such a good trajectory. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Reese and Micah can flat out fill it up. And it, it is like when Matt Mitchell was in one corner, Jordan Shackles in the other, and then it's KJ and Malachi up top. You know, it's it's guards everywhere, which means threats everywhere. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, yeah, why why wouldn't you want Reese, Micah, Darion, and Lamont 
You know, it's like building a like a video game type team. Like, let's just put shooters everywhere. That sounds fun. But yeah, you got a guard on the other end. Lucky for them, Mike has always played bigger than he is. You know, he played he played a a big man. You know, at, before he transferred to us, he was a four man. He was, you know, not a, a two guard or a wing or whatever. And so, and Reese is like six six and like two hundred ten or two fifteen. Like he, Reese is a yeah. big kid and he's a, he's super strong. And so. You're not just going to go wherever you want with those guys anyway. They, they're not built like Elijah. And, and Elijah, when you grew up learning basketball, yeah, is like the prototypical four-man. But he's, just, he's new age offensively because he can shoot so well and handle it and pass it. But defensively, yeah, he looks the part. Like, that's what he is. Um, so they, it won't be as much about, you know, what are we going to do on offense with this group? What are we going to do on defense with this group? It's going to be uh, – it's going to be rebounding. It's going to be, can we rebound with this group if we yeah. are playing, you know, a, who are they playing huge this year? I don't even know Cal's lineup, but let's just say Cal's huge. Can they rebound with Cal with that lineup? Or, you know, do you have to go a little bit bigger and you just you just play ball? It's But it's, it, it's fortunate for them because it's not a talent thing. It's just going to be a scheme thing. And then a lot of times Dutch is thinking second level, like, well, then, then what's the rotation? You know, like screw the starters. That's that's whatever. I mean, we've had second unit guys play more than starters probably every game last year, you know. And so that's that's always been his thing is like whoever's playing well is going to close the game out. So he doesn't care who starts the game. Um, and that'll be interesting. It'll be more about like the the rotations, the units like Lamont and Darion can't be on the floor the entire game together. They start the game together and then after that they toggle a lot. And so. Um, it'll be like that. It, it can't be the five guys in now and then throw all the young guys in after and all that. It'll, it'll be a, a blend. So, um, it'll be interesting. I, I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know what they're going to go with yet, but yeah, I know it's kind of a talking point, but if anything, it's just for fun. It's, I mean, Elijah's yeah. play a ton. Reese and Mike are going to be out there the whole dang game. Like somebody's just going to get the first two or three minutes. That's it. They're going to sub before the first media like they do every game anyway. So yeah. no people I, think, I think one of the bigger maybe competitions that we're looking at this year is potentially for that backup center role between Miles Heidi and DeMarche. Mm-hmm. Uh, both played uh, on Monday. Uh, both did nice things. Both struggled at a couple things. How, how do you think that those two guys can develop into becoming significant players this year? Yeah, I think I think for that it's going to be, uh, you know, who like for us, Dutch has said this in press conferences since I've met him. For us, the five man is the hardest position in 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 our specific defensive scheme because they have to quarterback the whole thing. They can see everything. We don't let our guards dictate and point and say, "I'm going to send him over here." The big man has to tell him where to go. So mm-hmm. even if you're a senior like Lamont and Darion, you don't just get to jump up and tell Demarche where to go. It's on Demarche to tell them, here's what we're doing on this screen, or here's it's in the middle. Here's what we're doing here. And so it that's going to come down to, to Demarche and Miles grasping that scheme because the five man is critical with how we're going to guard all year. And so um before I left, they were both making big strides. Miles is super smart. He wants it so bad. Demarche's got the years on him so far. He's he's a little bit, you know, more comfortable, I'm sure. But Time goes quick. Like Miles has already been on campus for a little bit now. You know, I mean, he's not, he didn't just get here yesterday. So um, they'll both get shots. They're both going to help. You know, if that's the, 
that's the riches of the of the Aztecs, I guess, right now is is you know you've got faith in in multiple guys as opposed to so many teams. It's like if Jaden's not on the floor, what are we gonna do? You know, <laughs> yeah. like no, they're not built like Jaden, and they don't do Jaden stuff, but they do things that he doesn't do, and so. It, I I don't that would be another interesting one to see, but they're both going to be out there. So that that's my honest answer is he might get five minutes and then Jaden go back in and then the next guy get five minutes. I don't know. So we we could uh, sit here and talk to you for hours, but I know we both have. I know you're two hours ahead of yeah. us. So, uh, both. So the last question today was uh, signing day for the class of twenty four. That San Diego State had two guys signed: Farrell Compton and Taj DeGourville. You know, given the fact that you were there through end of August, you probably are very familiar with those guys. What can you tell us and Aztec Nation about what the Aztecs are getting in both of those guys? I know a lot more about Taj than Pharaoh. Pharaoh, mm-hmm. I, I was not there when he committed. Right. Um, I think he was coming right after I left. But obviously he was, you know, talked about in the office all the time. They were drooling over him forever. Um, <laughs> Taj and his mom, I was part of all those Zooms, part of his visit and everything. I know he is incredibly mature for, for a high school player. I, I, I know I'm not the first to say that. I just don't know how public that is. He is dead set on what, on who he is, on what his future holds, on how he plans on going about things. He is very mature. Once again, to joke about how I was compared to AG, I was not like that as going into my freshman year of college, but I also didn't think I was going to the NBA. And so I'm sure if you think that's actually possible, which it is for him, you know, that nothing better than a focused young man with all the talent in the world. So I'm really excited about Taj. Um, and then I know he and Pharaoh are so close that, you know, early on, it was kind of like, can we can we go after Pharaoh? Because you don't you don't know everything about their relationship as best friends. And then it came out that Taj is like, like, hell, yeah, that's my guy. Like, I love yeah. him. It's, it's like, go like I'll help and blah, blah, blah. And so then as it kept going. And, you know, all these other schools are involved and all that. And and we're getting all the good feedback from Pharaoh. Like, you guys are right there. Like, don't worry about it. And so you don't know that you're ever going to get them when you hear that. But we knew we were in a good spot. And, um, you know, the moms were close. The boys were close. And uh, it just kind of kept pushing along to where, I mean, Pharaoh's an animal. You know, like, he he loves competing. And he's one of those, like, I don't think his entire time as an Aztec, anybody will have to tell him, like, Hey, like, let's play hard, you know, like that, that's not going to be ever told to him, you know, Yeah. maybe a concentrate or maybe uh, like, you know, fix this or fix that, but it's not going to be play hard. And so I can't wait to see him bouncing around and just terrorizing people with, you know, with his motor. I think that's, that's such a cool skill. So excited about those two. I mean, that's as good as it gets from high school. You can't have a whole class of high school guys with the game these ways. So everybody knows you can't get too young, too fast. It doesn't matter how talented they are. The Dukes and the Kentuckys are learning that right now. You know, you can't just bring in the five high school guys that you fell in love with anymore. And so um, maybe, maybe one or two more. I mean, I would, I would doubt two, but maybe one more if you really, really love them. And then other than that, you do what we've done for, for years, which is get those two, get a couple of transfers and, and you're off and running. You build, you build four-year guys, three-year guys with with transfers, and you know how how Matt Bradley was so open about you know this program reaching their arms around him, and yeah. that doesn't have anything to do with talent. You know, it doesn't have anything to do with your role. That's that's the best scorer on the team. Talking about, I'm following leaders. 
you know, that's why it was so cool to see that chemistry come together is, is it, it's not about, Oh, best score, best player, whatever. AG's wrapping him up and saying, this is how we do things here, you know? And so that was Matt Mitchell, Jordan Shackle with Malachi, KJ and Yanni, you know, nobody said Malachi, KJ and Yanni aren't good or are too good to listen to these guys. No, this is what we do here. And uh, that, that that's the special blend that'll keep going. So they're unbelievable high school kids. They're going to learn from the older guys, get a couple new guys, and it just keeps going. So, yeah, Reese Waters actually on our podcast told us that seeing Matt Bradley's emotional press conference after the national title game pretty much clinched his decision to go to San Diego State. That's so because cool. of brotherhood and be, because of what he had felt and what he had experienced. So like, that was really cool. Yeah, that's the exact same example. Reese is good enough to play on any team in the country. Any yeah. team. If he wanted to call Bill Self, he could have gone to Kansas. If he wanted to go to Kentucky, he could have gone to Kentucky. Reese is good enough to be on any team in America. But, yes, he's from out here. Yes, it's from family and all that. He sees something like that. Reese is super talented. I know he came in craving, what do these guys do here? What is Dutch really all about? You know, I've met him. I know he loves me. I know he loves my mom and dad. What is it actually like here? And that doesn't have to do with talent. That's a kid who knows I'm NBA talented. But what do I do right here? And that's that's because the program has that kind of credibility to where these these talented guys are not like, man, I'm good. Like, don't worry about me. I'm fine. I'm going to be me. I'm good. They They crave it. And the staff does too. You know, like when I came here, I wanted to do things the Aztec way. When Rod Palmer came here years ago, he wanted to learn the way we do things here. And so it's just like that with players as well. It was, it's let's, let's learn it here. And then we just keep going. So it's, it's just such a cool thing. I'm with you. I could just sit here and talk forever. (laughs) Yeah, no, this is amazing. We definitely should do this again. uh, Once the season is a little bit more uh, deeper in and then more stuff for you to analyze and help us help explain to us what we're seeing out there. Yeah. I'd love to, man. Just let me know. I'm, I'm, I'm far enough removed now to where I think I'm more comfortable with it and, and just, just yeah. let me, yeah. Awesome. Have a good night. Talk to you next time. Hey man. Thank you. See you. That was our episode with JD Pollock, former SDSU basketball director of player development. Hope you guys enjoyed that one. And we look forward to having JD back on later this season to talk Aztec hoops. We appreciate you guys for listening, liking, sharing, following, subscribing on all your favorite platforms. And we will talk to you guys next time. Listening to the SDSU podcast presented by the East Village Times with your hosts Andre Hagberdian and Paul Garrison. Episode of the SDSU podcast is sponsored by Mars Energy Cream, the first ever topical energy delivery product. Think energy drink, but it's a lotion. It contains a proprietary blend of natural ingredients, including caffeine, taurine, and B vitamins to provide an energizing boost. And unlike traditional energy drinks and gels, Mars Energy Cream is sugar-free, contains no artificial flavors, colors, or preservatives. If you want to try it out, go to MarsEnergyDrinkCream.com and use the code ANDRE, spelled A-N-D-R-E, at checkout to receive 15% off 
purchase of a 50 milliliter tube.